If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts... Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> and welcome back to the Resident Evil Lurecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi. And we're here to talk to you today about Resident Evil 2. The original. I'm pretty excited. This is one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) If only the listeners could see your face right now. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Without further ado, let's dive into Resident Evil 2. The original. (laughs) She's going to say that every time you say Resident Evil 2. (laughs) Gosh. Who do we have up first? It's me with the summary. Hmm. That just sounded weird. It did. <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> All right. For Resident Evil 2. The original. I was waiting on it. That's why I purposely said it. Let's see. Of course, as always, in Japan, it was known as Biohazard. It always will be. So in this case, Biohazard 2. I still think it still would have been an awesome name for a game. I. We're going to have to explore later on why they decided to change the name. And it was released as a survival horror video game, just like the first one, Yep. for the PlayStation in 1998. It was developed by Capcom, company of all the Resident Evils. Of course. As a second installment in the Resident Evil series, since at this time, Resident Evil Zero was not a thing. Yep. Its story takes place two months after the events of the first game, Resident Evil. It is set in Raccoon City, a Midwestern American mountain community whose residents have been transformed into zombies by the T-Virus, a biological weapon developed by the pharmaceutical company Umbrella. In their escape from the city, the two protagonists, Leon S. Kennedy and Claire Redfield, with no middle initial in hers, encounter other survivors and are confronted by William Birkin, the mutated creator of the even more powerful G-Virus, a variation of the T-Virus. And then here's a little bit about the gameplay. The gameplay of Resident Evil 2 focuses on exploration, 
puzzle solving, and combat, and features typical survival horror elements such as limited saves and ammunition. The game's main difference from its predecessor is the zapping system, which provides each player character with unique storylines and obstacles. It was developed by a team of 40 to 50 people over the course of one year and nine months. The initial version of the game, commonly referred to as Biohazard 1.5, differed drastically from the released product and was scrapped at a de development stage of 60 to 80 percent after being deemed dull and boring by the producer. The resulting redesign introduced different settings and a more cinematic story presentation supported by a soundtrack that employs desperation as an underlying theme. That's what I have on the summary. So something interesting that I picked up from that whole blurb was, number one, they scrapped it at 60 to 70%. They were, the producer was like, nah, this is straight garbage. After months of work. Months. I can, I can respect that, though. I mean, if it was garbage enough for them to say even so far through that, no, you can't produce this, then yeah, I can respect that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can, too. I mean, obviously, we're dealing with some of that today in other modern games. Like, you know, you've got some of these uh, major titles that are coming out. They constantly need updates, constantly need updates. And sometimes they scrap the idea altogether and start all over. I mean, as video game players, I can appreciate the fact that the producers and the creators are constantly like, nah, that's not going to sell. That's not going to be worth anybody's time. Get rid of it. Although I could see the workers being a little upset about that. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially if they said it was boring and dull. Here's a slap in the face for you. Mm -hmm. Now redo it all. Yeah. Another interesting thing that spiked my thought process here was the two-month part. The timeline now completely makes sense of the events between Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2, especially when you play the modern updated versions of 2 and 3. Everything really makes sense now between and we'll get into this more when we start talking about three between Jill and her situation at the beginning of the game. You know, it, it all makes sense that it's two months after the fact. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. And I also love two. Two is my second <laughs> favorite and not just because Leon's in it. Mm -hmm. though that's a big plus. No, I love two because it's the you get to explore the city, really. Yeah. It's a different setting completely. And I don't know. I just, I love two. <laughs> Not as much as four, though. Right. So continuing our discussion here, let's dive into Ariel. What do you got for us? A whole lot of nothing. Oh, you're full of it. <laughs> I've got the plot. Ooh. Does it thicken? It does indeed thicken. So. Let's go into a little bit of a prologue here. The game is set two months after the events of the first Resident Evil in the Midwestern American mountain community of Raccoon City. Nearly all of its citizens have been transformed into zombies by an outbreak of the T-Virus, a new type of biological weapon secretly developed by the pharmaceutical company Umbrella. The game's two protagonists are Leon S. Kennedy, yes, a rookie police officer on his first day in the local force, and Claire Redfield, a college student looking for her brother, Chris. Having just arrived in the city, 
Leon and Claire make their way to the Raccoon Police Department, seeking protection from the mutated population. There, they discover that most of the policemen have been killed already, and that Chris has left town to investigate the Umbrella headquarters in Europe. With no remaining motivation to stay, the two protagonists split up to look for other survivors and flee the city. While searching for an escape route, Claire meets a little girl named Sherry, who is on the run from an unknown creature. And Leon encounters Ada Wong, who claims to be looking for her boyfriend John, an umbrella researcher. It is revealed that Leon's superior officer, Raccoon City Police Chief Brian Irons, had been bribed by Umbrella to hide evidence of the company's experiments in the outskirts of the city. He also concealed their development of the new G-Virus, an agent capable of mutating a human into the ultimate bioweapon. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Irons tries to murder Claire, but is killed by a G-Virus mutant in the police department. Thereupon, Claire and Sherry escape through the sewers and become separated. After splitting up with Leon, Ada comes upon Sherry and picks up a golden pendant the girl loses while running away. Further into the sewers, Ada reluctantly teams up with Leon again after he insists on his duty to protect her. My Uh, chivalrous Leon. They encounter a middle-aged woman who fires at Ada, but Leon dives between them and takes a bullet himself. Ada ignores the unconscious Leon and follows the woman who reveals herself to be Sherry's mother, Annette, and the wife of William Birkin, the umbrella scientist who created the G-Virus. In an attempt to protect his life's work from special agents sent by the umbrella headquarters, He injected himself with the virus, which turned him into the malformed creature, G, and is now chasing Sherry. Annette recognizes her daughter's pendant and attempts to take it from Ada. A fight ensues, during which Annette is thrown over a railing. Ada learns that the golden locket contains a sample of the G-virus, and later, taken over by her emotions, returns to Leon, tending to his bullet wound. She better have. (laughs) I mean Meanwhile Claire is reunited with Sherry And discovers that G has implanted His daughter with an embryo To produce offspring How disgusting is that Leon, Ada, Claire And Sherry advance through an Abandoned factory connected to Umbrella's secret underground research facility An attack by G leaves Ada heavily wounded, and Leon explores the laboratory to find something to treat her wounds. He is interrupted by Annette, who explains to him that Ada's relationship with John was only a means of getting information about Umbrella. Ada is a spy sent to steal the G-Virus for an unknown organization. Just as Annette is about to shoot Leon, a T-103 tyrant appears and she is forced to retreat. Ada returns to save Leon and defeats the tyrant seemingly at the cost of her own life. She confesses her love to Leon, who leaves behind her motionless body. Meanwhile, Annette tries to escape with another sample of the G-Virus, but is fatally wounded by her mutated husband. However, before she dies, she tells Claire how to create a vaccine that will stop the mutations caused by the embryo within Sherry. 
After preparing the cure, Leon and Claire reunite at an emergency escape train and inject Sherry with a vaccine, which saves her life. G, now mutated into a large agglomeration of flesh and teeth, follows them but is destroyed when a self-destruct system causes the train to explode. After escaping from the city with Sherry, Leon intends to take down Umbrella, while Claire continues to search for her brother. Ada is implied to have survived and to have made away with the G-Virus in the pendant. And that is the plot of Resident Evil 2 original. There is so much to take in from Resident Evil 2 original. So much to take in. And seeing all of that, I feel like the remake of Resident Evil 2, though they played on a lot and expanded a lot, they also left a lot of major information out. Yeah, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Because I don't believe in the remake, Ada actually confesses her feelings for Leon. No, it's just heavily implied. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is that they don't really go into as in-depth with the whole, you know, Birkin, Claire, you know, that, that whole side thing that's going on there. They don't really go as in-depth as they could in Resident Evil 2. Now, they do, they do do that when you play as Claire. But it is still, again, it's not as heavily as the original. Yeah. I feel like they kind of they kind of dropped the ball on that one. I did enjoy the remake, but mm-hmm. yeah, they did leave out quite a few things. Yeah. I would say the takeaway from this is if you want the full story, you should play both. You should play the original and the remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should play both of them because they're both great games. Oh, anyways. yeah. But <laughs> and my boy Leon's in it. Yeah. It's his debut. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think it's time for us to take a quick little break and then we will dive into more RE2. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, you've heard those gunshots. It's time for the mid-break. <clears throat> Ariel? Uh, of course. <laughs> what have you brought for us today? So, new Resident Evil game could feature Resident Evil Village voice actors, <gasps> according to one voice actor from the franchise. Ooh. One of the voice actors featured in the last two Resident Evil games has suggested he may return in a future title. 
which I mean, suggestion basically means, yep, I'm doing it. Yeah. Neil Newbin, who played Nikolai in the Resident Evil 3 remake, and Carl Heisenberg in Resident Evil Village, stated in an interview with the Awfully Irish podcast that he and fellow actor Nicole Tompkins could be returning for another game. <gasps> and she voiced Jill Valentine in the three remake and Daniela Dimitrescu in Village. So what you're saying in, is in the next one, I'm hoping it's the sequel in the series. Like I think, well, I'm hoping it's Resident Evil 9 and they bring them back as those two because that would just be perfect. It would be, it would be, it would be the traditional Resident Evil, they died and we brought them back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people are speculating that they will be either in the sequel to Village or the Resident Evil 4 remake. That would be cool, too. I mean, either one I'm okay with. Well, Daniel, what have you brought with us? As always, I like to bring merchandise. Yes. So I was scouring the internet. It wasn't hard. I mean, scouring means there was a lot of work to it. And there's a web, uh, game talk. There's a website called Redbubble.com, and someone on there makes a Umbrella Corporation throw blanket. Ooh! Yes. So it has three different sizes. There's a small, a medium, and a large. The small is forty inches by thirty inches. The medium's sixty by fifty inches, and the large is eighty by sixty inches. With the price varying on it of course it varies between 25 25 before shipping to up to 54 54 funny that they're the same numbers either way <laughs> but it does look like it is available by express Ooh. at the end of september now what does this throw blanket look like so it basically is it's I can, I'm going to definitely post on Discord, mm -hmm. but it's black in color. It's got the umbrella logo, clearly the umbrella itself in the very center. And then it says Umbrella Corporation around it. Ooh. I want it. Of course you do. Well, I have that quilt that has like all the games on it, mm -hmm. but that's a giant quilt. Yeah. And, you know, you just want something smaller when you're cold. <laughs> this is a throw, so it could potentially be exactly. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> You should get the biggest one. <laughs> <laughs> but I will post it in Discord. But if you do want to find it, it's on redbubble.com. And you should be able to search for Umbrella Corporation Throw Blanket. It is by... Where's the vendor at? Sachpika? It's S-A-C-H-P-I-C-A. It's got pretty good reviews on it. Okay. Well, today I am bringing nothing Resident Evil news-wise... Lame. <laughs> because I am bringing news on the Resident Evil Lorecast Patreon. Uh, this week or next week, I'm going to set up the Patreon. Um, so with certain tiers, you'll get certain things, of course. But at our $25 and up tier, the reason I'm bringing this news today is <clears throat> if you are in one of these tiers, $25 and up, you will actually once a month come and guest with us to talk about Resident Evil franchise. Um, we'll have different topics on different times. And our first topic we're going to be bringing to the table 
is going to be Resident Evil 2 Remake compared to the Resident Evil original. And this episode will air on October 7th. So I'm going to get my button gear and get our Patreon ready for those of you who want to come and chat with us. Yeah. (laughs) But on that note, I think our mid-break is done. And let's get back to the RE2 original discussion. And we are back. Ariel, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, you took my line. What line was that? You said Resident Evil 2 original. No, I'm (laughs) supposed to chime in and say the original. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I don't want to confuse the fans for (laughs) the original or the remake. I'm just making it very, very clear. All right, so let's talk RE2. Characters. I was waiting for you to say original. I slipped up that time. <laughs> All right. So let's talk RE2. Original. Characters. Uh, who's going first? Mm. I'll go first with my boy, Leon. Ooh, of course you'll go of with Leon. Of course, because reasons. All right. Leon Scott Kennedy is an American federal agent currently employed with the Division of Security Operations, a counterterrorism agency with direct presidential oversight. Kennedy is a known survivor of the 1998 Raccoon City destruction incident, when at, then as a police officer. Following his escape, he was offered a job in a U.S. STRATCOM team devoted to anti-BOW combat and served it until 2011 in repeated operations around the world. And his status right now is alive. <laughs> just letting that, just letting you I know that because he is out there right now waiting for me. Okay. <laughs> I can dream. Girl can have dreams. And I don't want to get too much more into Leon because we will be discussing him more next episode in detail. Way more, yeah. All right, Daniel. All right. I have Claire, no middle initial Redfield. <laughs> <laughs> And looks like here, apparently her blood type is O. Not positive, not negative, just O. Just O, just like, just like, was it, Rebecca and B? Yeah. Maybe that's because B is in her name. Want to know what Leon's is? What? A. Probably A minus. <laughs> A plus? <laughs> All right, let's hear about Claire. All right. Claire is a current member of the human rights organization TerraSave. She is the younger sister of BSAA operative and former STARS member Chris Redfield. Since her survival in the Raccoon City incident in 1998, Claire would become involved or end up in the midst of several biohazard outbreaks around the world, prompting her as well as Chris to devote her career to combating the threat of bioorganic weapons. I just want to know how you just keep getting involved in all these things. There's a, if I survive a zombie outbreak, I'm gonna stay as far away from possible. I'm going to Bahamas. Like I'm done. That's it. Like, mm-mm. nope. Let me just keep involving myself. <laughs> it's different because I don't see her as like a fighting type, like Chris is. Yeah, like Jill and Chris were built to do this. Yeah, yeah. She's she's like I work for a human rights organization. Let me give zombies human rights here. Oh, that's that's all I got on Claire, other than my banter there. <laughs> See, 
I I like the way in the RE2 original that they played out Claire. She was an innocent girl who got wound up in the wrong place at the wrong time and had to fight for survival. She had no formal training whatsoever. She's just an innocent girl. And they really played up on that in the RE2 original. Well, she had my boy Leon there to protect her. <laughs> yeah, for like maybe a fourth of the game. Yeah. Maybe Sherry protected her more than probably Leon did. <laughs> uh, but anyway, now that we've got our character introductions out of the way, let's dive into th- places we'll explore during the RE2 original game. All right. So, you have the city area. Of course. Which, you know, is around, obviously, mm-hmm. the beginning, because this is kind of in order. Yeah. Police headquarters. Yep. Now, that was actually kind of my favorite part of the game. <laughs> Not going to lie. Really? I, I enjoyed exploring the city, yes, but I don't know. I just thought it was fun. I honestly felt like the city wasn't really... You didn't really explore the city. Well, yeah. I felt like you were only there for snippets of the game, and most of it happened in the police station. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like in the beginning where you go to the, uh, what's his name? Kundo Gunshop? Kendo Gunshop. Yeah, I was close. <laughs> I like going there. Okay, so after that is the foundation. You have the pollution dump. Mm-hmm. The deep sewers. Yep. Factory, underground lab, and escape transport. Mm-hmm. So, out of all of those places, I feel like you spend the most time in the police headquarters. I cannot stress that enough. Like, you are solving tons and tons and tons of puzzles in the police precinct before you ever get anywhere else. Yeah, that's... I, I like the police headquarters. <laughs> Which transitions to our next place, RE2 Original Puzzles. Let's talk about those keys. The annoying keys, you mean? (laughs) Yeah, you got the spade, the diamond, the club, and the heart. And what was annoying about those? The keys were cool. The annoying part about those keys was the fact that you had to backtrack so far to use them. Congratulations, you're in a Resident Evil game. (laughs) But that's the most annoying part of that, though, was the last key you got was literally like two doors down. You got to unlock it. Not three doors down? Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the keys were a major aspect of that game. Um, One of my favorite puzzles was the statue puzzle. Oh, yeah. We had to. It was very confusing for a lot of people back in the day because of the artwork for the background. Because the place where you had to put the statues did not stand out. Well, of course not. That would make it too easy. Exactly. You actually had to. The way it worked was you'd have the statues on opposite ends and you'd have to push because there was a gray and a bronze statue you'd have to push the bronze statue to the right of the room and the gray statue to the left of the room and then put them on these little pedestals that are painted into the wall background. And only then would it click and then drop the ruby that you needed. 
leave it to Resident Evil. <laughs> Daniel, what was your favorite puzzle? Favorite? I'm mm-hmm. going to go with the worst because of math. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one where you had to uh, maintain the power. Or the, oh, yeah. down in the, what was it? The uh, it, was, it was basically the plant. You yeah. had to you had to go and toggle the switches in the right order to get power to the machine to power it up. Yeah, because of math. That's why I'm gonna. It's <laughs> gonna say, that's my memorable moment. Yeah, the I I do remember the numbers too. The numbers were 36 and 14. The bottom was 14 and the top was 36. That's fine. They can keep that. I that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, though RE2 original definitely brought in some major players for puzzles it was a, it was a lot different than re1 re1 had its puzzles but there wasn't a whole mess load re2 like you are doing puzzles majority of them were done in the police station i do remember that because there was the, obviously there was the the talismans that you had to get to open the door to the laboratory it's pronounced laboratory oh okay <laughs> I think there's many ways to pronounce it yeah <laughs> but yeah you had to use the, the medallions to get in there you had to use the little hand drawn maps to figure out where codes were there was all kinds of messes of puzzles there and then slowly as you trickled out into the rest of the game the puzzles started to die off and they focus more on story elements, which, again, I really liked about RE2. Yeah, it was another great game. You won't get my how many Leons out of Leon until next episode, though. But it was a really great game. <laughs> Definitely my second favorite. So let's briefly go over the BOW list we have. All right. You want me to do this? You go right ahead. All right. Some creatures come in from original other games as mm-hmm. well. So uh, just to list off the creatures in this, you have, of course, zombies. You have the lickers, crows, Aaron's favorite, <laughs> service dogs, giant spiders, cockroaches. I looked at Ariel for both of those. <laughs> she loves the insects. <laughs> Mutated plants, larvae, and then bosses are the G-Virus spawn, Giant crocodile, giant moth, of course the tyrant, and William Birkin in many forms. Oh, <laughs> many forms. So many forms. Yeah, because that lovely G virus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do believe this is the first game that actually introduced liquors into it. That's such a weird name. I get why they named it, but it's just yeah, liquors. Yeah, because RE one had the 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 what was it the the red. Crimson Heads? The Crimson Heads, yes. I just spaced my mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had the Crimson Heads, which is the pre-generation of the liquors. I just... Makes me think of Pokemon, the Lickitungs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at any rate, we are coming to the end of our discussion on the RE2 synopsis. <clears throat> so... What is your takeaways from this original? Oh, oh, me? Yeah. Because I'm always first? (laughs) Ladies first, I suppose. Of course. What's my takeaway? 
Well, of course, you, my favorite aspect of the game is having Leon in it, of course. <laughs> that was your one takeaway. That was my one takeaway. No, I loved the storyline of it. I loved... <laughs> Daniel just threw his hands up in disgust. <laughs> what? Was that what yours? I was going to say. Well, then I won't go too much into it. <laughs> All right. I loved the aspect of getting to explore, even if it wasn't all of Raccoon City. I loved getting to explore some of it. And I loved the puzzles and everything else. I mean, I'm a big fan of puzzles. It was just all around another great game. What do you got, Daniel? What was your takeaway? Well, you know, I was going to say the story. I mean, I still am. (laughs) Since Capcom does know how to write good stories after, Mm. you know, they scrap the first one after 60 to 80 percent completion because it's <laughs> boring and dull but they do know how to generally write a very good story with with a lot of their games not just oh, yeah. resident evil but i mean this is resident evil so i don't want to go into another <laughs> tangent but that's what i take away from it is is even throughout the years yeah there's some games that the story's not as great but mm-hmm. it's always a well thought out story so my takeaway from this was the character development I really, really enjoyed being able to watch Leon as a rookie cop, you know, fresh on the force, being thrown into this savage divide that is Raccoon City. And you can see as he as you as you go through the storyline, you know, he's terrified and then he's you know, he's he's worried and then he, you can see him just become dead set. Like, we're going to get out of this and I'm going to pull as many people out of this as I can. And I'm going to foil this plan, you know? You can see that slow, gradual increase. And to do that in such a limited amount of time, that is that is what is truly impressive about the writing on this. To do that in such a little amount of time. And, you know, in one, you saw a little bit of character development, but there wasn't a whole lot to explore because it was more about a story about a betrayal in Resident Evil 2 it's taking these two people that have absolutely zero to do with this and one's a rookie cop and one's a civilian and throwing him into the mesh you know even with Claire you could see she started off terrified and then it was well we gotta get down to brass tacks I gotta be a badass you know, and it's a slow, gradual process, but they managed to do this in, like I said, such little time. It's incredible. The one thing I didn't like about this is when Capcom tried to make a... And they redeemed themselves, but they tried to make a romance out of it between two people that literally just met. Ada and Leon. Like, they literally were like... Uh, Ada, in the course of a couple hours, essentially, she's like, oh, I love Leon. I mean, I would in a matter of a couple hours. (laughs) But they did redeem themselves because, you know, at the end of the game, they kind of reveal that it's it's just a ploy. It was just another one of her tricks to get what she wanted out of this. You know, and that's we'll discuss that more as it goes on. But that is revealed again, time and time again, as the series goes on. Well, four, I won't get too much into four, but. There were times where she was like, mm, I may not love you, but I care enough about you to save your life. Oh, of course. I mean, you, but again, that's more story character development. Yeah, and things will get we, later. Yep, yes. As we can get to them later. But on that note, I feel like this is a good wrap up part 
So next time we're going to be discussing more in depth of the BOWs and characters of the RE2 original. You stole my line again. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. You should be. (laughs) Well, this is our breakoff point. So until next time, thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. What up tonight, City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a cyberpunk red live play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.